what Black is Beautiful is basically is a call to breweries uh, to collaborate together in support of equality and inclusion. You know, it, it, beer is inclusive. No matter who you are, you can drink beer. You can enjoy this. You don't have to change your culture to enjoy it. Somebody's got to change the world, and I'm going to be the person that does that. It's very inspiring for us to see so many people giving a shit and actually wanting to do this. So, thank you for calling out and saying, <laughs> do better, do more. Because for a while, their beer was my degree of separation. Um, and and it, it kind of isn't anymore. Um, it's kind of become, it, it feels like it's, I'm using it as a vehicle now, less as a thing that I'm just passionate about. Um, and so that's been tough. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Well, hey, everybody. I think uh, today we've got a, a pretty interesting podcast. It's um, one that was... I know for me, it was really important to me personally and professionally. Well, it's a much on a needed, lot of different levels. It's a much needed conversation to have. It is, but for yeah, there's a lot of reasons that this was an important podcast for me. But um, yeah, it, it is a conversation that is has really spiked lately. I mean, it's a conversation that has got a lot of attention and should have a lot of attention because it's a very important topic to everybody. Um, you know, this is social injustice and inequality in our country is something that maybe right now is at the forefront and it hasn't always been at the forefront. But I think it's something that we we need to be aware of and and really it's something we need to also take action on and commit to taking action on. Yeah not just letting things slide by. I mean, it's very easy to address the hot topic of the day at the hot topic moment, but really in order to make significant change at, in anything, it needs to be a commitment to longevity and, and making it part of the everyday. So that's what, that's what, so we have Marcus uh, Baskerville on from Weathered Souls Brewing in San Antonio, mm -hmm. Texas, along with six other breweries. Yeah, six. There's representatives from six other breweries and, uh, in addition to Marcus. Yeah. yeah, and that's what his goal was with um, the Black is Beautiful Beer Initiative is to spark a conversation. Yes, but right. it doesn't just stop there. It's how are you going to gain and continue the momentum and create action for real change? Right. And Marcus did a good job talking about during the the podcast of um, what Black is Beautiful is and what. You know what his reasoning for it was and and what the different components of it are so we'll let him explain that but it really is a commitment to to not the moment not doing a little thing here or, or even a big thing here but to having a constant conversation that that continues beyond this moment that people are yeah. focused on so we are honored to have like i said marcus um from weathered souls in san antonio and then Chris from Green Bench in St. Petersburg, Florida. And we also have Debbie from Jester King in Austin. Kali from Sedona Beer Company in Sedona, Arizona. 
And then we had Tim from St. Elmo Brewing, who is uh, from Austin. And we have Calissa from Gold Spot in Denver, our backyard. Yay, yeah. yay Denver. <laughs> but And then we also have John from Fogtown, which is, was a cool little brewery up in Maine. That, uh, yeah. but So it's, a, it's quite a range of different folks on the podcast, and we're really grateful for Debbie because she actually was kind of our... Uh, uh, de facto producer on the show. She helped us kind of uh, make this a much better um, podcast than it could have been. I, she really yeah. helped uh, bring a great d- group together. So definitely grateful to Debbie, but everyone on the podcast with us, um, especially for Marcus for spearheading this entire initiative. Mm-hmm. And I think from that, we should let him. Yeah, there's a lot of great conversation on this podcast, so we should probably just shut up and let everybody else talk for a minute. So with that, um, we really hope that you listen and and it, it maybe sparks some thoughts for you and maybe, you know, gets you thinking about your everyday and what you can do in your life for the people around you and the people you love. I guess the logical place to start here would be with Marcus, since uh, you're the man that started all this and uh, <laughs> are the reason that we're all together right now. <laughs> You can probably tell us better than anybody else. Um, how did this kind of come together? The whole idea for Black is Beautiful, this collaboration, and uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about how how it came together and what inspired you to do this. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> basically, I was uh, a little disappointed in myself for not participating in the local protests, and so. I was trying to figure out a way how I could kind of give back locally, but then also uh, make somewhat of a statement. So originally I was just going to do the Black is Beautiful as a standalone beer, release it amongst our uh, tap room. And then uh, basically I was talking to Jeff over the weekend and um, we were having a conversation about race relations, Trump, family, different stuff like that. And then I ended up sending him the label. And uh, he basically challenged me to turn it into a collaboration. And I was like, you know what, Jeff, that's a wonderful idea. And so um, basically spent the next 24 hours uh, coming up with a mission statement, coming up with the uh, actual plan of action, the physical initiative. Um, I had reached out to a couple people in the industry uh, asking their opinions. Uh, Let's see, T.O. from Crowns and Hops. um, Talked to uh, Brandon, Blackbeard Travelers. Um, you know, some of the homies that, that I've had uh, conversations with before and um, I know are deep-rooted in uh, that particular field. Um, so from there, basically, yeah, launched it the next day. Um, got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, went in, wrote like a, a plan of action uh, for my business partner and sales manager, bar manager, and was like, hey, this is what we're going to post today. So uh, at that time of that conversation, I figured it was probably going to be like around 200-ish breweries, 250 uh, was my goal. But, you know, to be sitting over 1,000 right now is absolutely insane. That's incredible. And can you give us like the quick in a nutshell what Black, Black is Beautiful is? You know, as it, I know that came together really quick, but what, how would you describe it for people that aren't aware of what the actual collaboration is? Yeah, so... It's actually grown over the course of the initiative. Like you said, I didn't know how big it was going to be. So originally, like, we just asked for part of the proceeds. But then as it started to get bigger, we realized that the initiative was growing and the message was growing. 
and had a few conversations uh, with some people that reached out about assisting, uh, like uh, Sam Richardson reached out from other half. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, Matt at Stout Collective, and uh, they were basically like, you know what, this is this is bigger than than anything that craft beer has done before. So you need to ask everybody for 100% of the proceeds. Uh, so that was one of the changes. Um, but what Black is Beautiful is basically is a call to breweries uh, to collaborate together in support of equality and inclusion. Um, originally, you know, the the ask was to donate uh, those funds locally to um, organizations, foundations, charities that support um police brutality reform and um, legal legal fees. And the majority has done that, but it's grown, you know, further than that. And so um, the main goal at this point for me was to create that conversation and dialogue locally. Uh, we look at our craft beer industry and, you know, we know it has the ability to be inclusive, but it's not that inclusive, right? I mean, there's not that many people of color in the industry, at least where I'm at. I mean, you figure, and I'm sure this is probably for Chris too, like I'm the only black brewery owner in the state of Texas. So, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's not many of us. So uh, basically what this does is, one, we're building commerce for our local communities, um, local foundations, charities, so now that's putting those breweries in forefront to have that conversation and dialogue uh, with a demographic that normally um, would not occur. Um, two, it gives people of color, black people, other minorities, um, the ability to realize that craft beer is inclusive and be highly supportive. And then the other goal is to maintain to the long-term goal of what we do after the beer is done. So the beer, you know, is just one part of the conversation, one part of the dialogue, it sparks that talk, but it's those long-term goals that you do after the fact that is what's important. And so um, it's more so about now um, having breweries implement goals, achievable goals within their breweries, uh, within their communities to help out um, you know, people of color, black people in the their communities that are around them. Um, somebody who could probably talk more about that is Chris, who's been doing that for quite some time, actually. We've always, we've always said that uh, beer is always, it's usually about more than just the beer. It's about the community that's built around it. Um, but so, Marcus, you've answered this question very well. And Chris, since he threw it to you, I'm going to kind of start with you with the question that we're going to go at is, Basically, like, tell us your name, what your role is in the brewery that you're with, and kind of why you chose to um, support Black is Beautiful initiative and kind of where you're going with that. Sure, yeah. Um, my name is Chris Johnson. I'm uh, the founding brewer and co-owner of Green Bench Brewing uh, here in St. Petersburg, Florida. So we're, um, we opened in 2013, so I guess we're turning seven this year. Um, I guess... Going back to the beginning, like when we first opened, um, <clears throat> St. Petersburg itself, like we're the first brewery in St. Pete, first like microbrewery there's ever been in the city. Um, now, granted, there's a bunch of breweries around us. We're in Tampa Bay. So, uh, you know, we've got 90 plus breweries, I think, now in the Tampa Bay area. But when we opened, um, there's a lot less, but it was still 
somewhat of like a hotbed, and especially in Florida, as far as the amount of breweries that there were. But Florida's a very young market. Um, and Green Bench itself is a name that um, was inspired by the city of, of St. Petersburg. In the, in the early 1900s, we had over 3,000 Green Benches in downtown St. Pete. And the city used to market itself as the city of the Green Benches. And it used to um, kind of advertise to snowbirds to like come down to the city of the Green Benches. This is where we have nice weather. You kind of hang out. And any given Saturday and Sunday in the early 1900s, you have you know, hundreds of people sitting on the green benches just socializing. And it was this notion that like St. Pete is a social town. We can be very social and you can come here and sit outside and very communal. Um, of course, the caveat there is uh, black people were not allowed to partake in that because it was in the downtown sector and it was only for white people and it's the South, it's segregated. So, you know, same way, you know, we couldn't drink from the same water fountains and go to the same bathrooms or visit the same parks or go to the same beaches. Like most of our beaches in St. Pete have been always segregated. Um, Vinoy, this big, you know, uh, hotel in downtown St. Petersburg and the Don Cesar on the other side of St. Pete, these like really iconic things were really only for white people. And, um, so the name Green Ventures to, is, is, is meant to speak of that time and to specifically show that, um, for the first time we as a city can embrace the notion that we are truly a communal town that we truly can accept everybody. Anybody can kind of sit on this thing now, right? And that's kind of the notion. Uh, you fast forward a few years um, and not only was that sort of the, the name and, and I think the first couple years I was, I was busy. I was trying to make beer and figure stuff out with the business side. And then, so I was kind of quiet about it and really talk about it that much. And then once I got to the point where like, you know, we had, we had a staff and we had kind of process down and stuff, I started to become more involved in having those conversations locally. Um, and that kind of led to me meeting a bunch of people in the, in, in my community that um, uh, already really cared about, you know, a lot of the same issues that I cared about. And so I ended up hooking up with a bunch of people that, that were working on social injustice for years, that dedicated their lives to it. And so we as a business started to throw events and campaigns and initiatives here locally trying to work on this. We've been doing it for years. Um, he mentioned Ducci, who um, was the founder of Beer Culture, who he recently stepped back from Beer Culture. I'm actually now the vice president of Beer Culture. Uh, Leticia took over as the, as the president. And, um, and Beer Culture's goal with the brand was this notion that, you know, you looked at the beer industry, and he and I kind of go way back. He lives here in St. Pete, and he was trying to get in the beer industry and was having a hard time getting in. And he called me and was like, hey, you know, years ago, I was like, I feel like I'm getting glossed over and other people are, are getting jobs and I know more, have more experience and, and everything than they do. And, it, you know, is the industry racist? Like, what is the deal? I was like, the situation that you're running into is racist. I wouldn't say inherently the industry is racist, but I think the industry, like everything else, is somewhat victim to the system, right? It's like, it's, it's still stuck in the system. So like, while I think the majority of brewers, you know, find themselves very inclusive. And uh, to be fair, the more breweries we have, the less that's going to be true, right? Because the pool is going to get mixed in with all kinds of people and personalities and backgrounds and beliefs. But I think especially back then, it really felt like a very inclusive uh, place. But I kind of told him that was, that was the case. So we started this thing called beer culture with the notion that you go into a brewery, we all know this, right? You go into a brewery, it's generally white, male, you know, cisgendered men, and that's really the industry. And the, the issue that some people felt like they had was they felt like 
the, the industry wasn't for them, that it had already had an identity and that it didn't include them. And I think how a lot of people felt was if I want to be a part of this culture, then I have to change my culture. Like my culture is not the one that's accepted. And beer culture's goal was to say that beer is not in and of itself, you know, it, beer is inclusive. No matter who you are, you can drink beer, you can enjoy it. You don't have to change your culture to enjoy it. And so beer culture was about trying to uh, celebrate your culture and add it to beer rather than the other way around. And so I partnered with him uh, and we started a, a program called the Culture Chronicles. We, we make a beer and I kind of said to him, like, I want to basically have uh, a year round tap where we're doing charity work, where every single pull from that beer goes to a local charity. Um, every can we sell money goes to a local charity. And I want it to be hyper local, like not stuff in Tampa, not stuff in, you know, Florida. I'm talking like St. Pete. And so um, we started making beers in that and, and had a lot of success kind of raising money and volunteering our time as well. Um, and raising kind of awareness for some issues that were that were local. Um, and then I've been in, involved with a bunch of like, you know, uh, panel discussions and uh, bigger campaigns with like that the city has done um, and, you know, different organizations as well here locally. Um, and then the reason ultimately, um, Marcus actually asked me. So um, he reached out to me on Facebook and was like, hey, man, you should join, you should join this. I said, send me the information. I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I'm in. Um, so then the next morning I, I posted it on, on our Instagram. Um, and I think at the time that was, I think that was pretty early on. It was like June 1st, June 2nd, somewhere around there. Um, so we joined in and I think I ended up having a conversation with Dooch because at first he it actually it kind of rubbed him the wrong way a little bit. Like he was kind of worried that like, that it was going to, that it was kind of like a, 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 a lot of people were, were joining it that he felt weren't really in it for long, the long term. And you know, what ultimately I had a, I had a kind of a different idea of what I think speaking of Marcus, what his goal was. Um, and so we very early on committed, like, I think we wrote like the next day, I think I posted on Twitter, like a hundred percent of the proceeds of what we're doing is going to this. And I think at that time that hadn't maybe been said completely by everybody. And then I was super happy to hear like within a week, it was like weathered souls and Marcus were saying, this needs to be like, you need to give everything to this. This isn't about trying to say, Hey, I'm going to post black lives matter on my Instagram page. So don't crucify me online and you can come drink my beer and I'm going to make money off you. Right. Like it, it felt like a bunch of, to him, at least it felt like white people who owned a business were saying, come not Marcus by any means, but like other white people were saying like, come give me your money. I'll take some of it and give it to this cause and the rest of it I'll keep. Right. And it was like yet another level of sort of feeling like control. Um, and uh, so I was really proud to see, you know, sort of, Marcus get behind the notion and everyone kind of say like, no, this is, it, this is, this is something that's the same. We have to do this forever. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's really why we joined. I know one of the things that I noticed very first when I was looking into Black is Beautiful and heard about it was the commit to the long-term work. And I love that piece of it. Definitely. Debbie, can we come next to you and find out more about you and where you're from? And you have a lot of initiatives going on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, mm -hmm. perfectly. Oh, hi. Okay, well, I'm Deb I am Debbie Serta. I am with Jester King Brewery out of Austin, Texas. I wear many hats, uh, have many roles, and that's kind of changed because of the pandemic. But I would definitely say what I would like my best basically title to be would be community engagement. I really think that this initiative is something that has 
allowed us to bond with breweries and, and people across the US. It's really wonderful, I think. Um, my, let's see, background behind about me. Well, I, I've been involved in the beer industry in Texas probably in some form or fashion for almost 30 years. So we can finally say craft beer is no longer a trend, it's a movement. So it was recently stated by the president of the local Hudson uh, University. It's the oldest university uh, in the state of Texas, a higher uh, learning institution, the first black university, but it was actually the first one uh, west of the Mississippi. And she said, are we living in a moment or in a movement? And it goes back to what Chris said earlier, is that are we building something that's sustainable or is it performative allyship? Or are we actually recognizing that ally is a verb, not a noun? Ally is not something you achieve and then you're done. Ally is something that should be at your core uh, ethos. Well, Jester King, we, uh, community concern is a core tenet of our brewery philosophy. But for us, Black is Beautiful was something that I happened to scroll through my uh, to the social media on Sunday evening, saw that Marcus had this going on, and I'm frantically texting Jeff going, we have to do this, and we need to make sure that we give this money to Austin Justice Coalition. And he's like, on it. Uh, and so that's the beauty of having like-minded people and, and understanding that, <laughs> understanding that um, you don't have to go it alone. You, there are plenty of people out there to do it. I look to Chris and the work that they're doing with uh, craft culture, and it inspires me for growing our programs more at Jester King. Community concern is a core tenet of the Jester King philosophy. Uh, we have our Jester King Volunteer Corps uh, program that is volunteering out in the community, being engaged with local organizations. We have Noble Cause, where we give money through uh, merchandise beer cells and such. And I can talk about this in a moment. I know this is a question that was going to come up. But with Black is Beautiful, it's something that it, we realize, why would we not be involved in this when someone states, I don't want politics in my beer? Our response is, this isn't politics. This is a social issue, economic issue, human issue. And so this is about empowering and leveling the playing field for everyone. And I don't even like saying leveling the playing field for everyone because there's such a huge disparity when you look at, um, when you look at so much of our society, you know, tech and the, and the beer community as well. So the way you had just said that Debbie was very well put um, because when, when people come in with that and say, it's all about, it's the politics and I don't want to talk politics. It's that just really resonated with with what you said, so I truly appreciate that. <laughs> and, and I will say that I've heard that argument from people of, from, I've actually heard that from people of, cover, of color, that people say, when I homebrew, I, don't, I'm, I homebrew and drink beer to get away from politics. And it's like, well, I get that. But also, you probably don't drink a macro brew because you have you, something against the ethics or the philosophy of macro brewing. Why wouldn't you have some sort of, of ethical um, values or eth eth you know these principles in the craft beer that you drink. Yeah, interesting that thought. Makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Can we head on over to Kali in Sedona? Hi everybody. Um, I'm gonna apologize for the background noise. I am on our taproom patio at the moment. So um, 
so let me know if it's too busy. Um, my name is Kali Gajewski. I own Sedona Beer Company in northern Arizona, Sedona, Arizona. I'm a small tourist town north of Phoenix, south of Flagstaff. We celebrate our second anniversary in about two weeks. So we're babies. <laughs> uh, so uh, I am a, some background on me to, to help contextualize Black is Beautiful is I'm a social worker by education. Um, I have a master's in social work. That's what I did for um, the majority of my career before doing this. Uh, and where social work has a lot of history that I will not unpack at the moment. Um, it has given me the lens to really um, investigate my own movements in this world. So I'm quick to jump onto movements in social causes and things like that. But Black is Beautiful is so different to me. In this world we're living in where companies are taking a stance which feels like a new thing to me. I don't remember companies having a an opinion about social or cultural or issues outside of business. Um, I was finding myself really torn on on how to be an ally, right? How to be the verb that Debbie was talking about. And when Marcus, you put out Black is Beautiful, I was like, that. that's how I go to my community and say, listen, this is important. Um, this is my outlet. Let's talk about it. Uh, Arizona, as you probably all are very aware, is incredibly white. Um, uh, Northern Arizona specifically is almost all of our diverse populations live in Phoenix and Tucson. So Northern Arizona is, is especially white. So this conversation is really important to have in my communities. Um, so, so Black is Beautiful for Sonoma Beer Company was the, the step we needed to say as a company, like, hey, this needs to be talked about in the beer community now. Um, we're going to make this beer, and we're going to talk about it, um, and we're going to support it, and and do the steps that both Marcus and Chris talked about, like, how can we, what are next steps, how can we be better, how can we do better? Um, so, that's, that's kind of where we were. Uh, my, I can send this if, if you want it, April, but um, I have two white male brewers uh surprise i know shocking um but we put out an export style summer stout because other than today as you can tell it's usually like 105 degrees right now um and drinking an imperial stout in 105 degrees is (laughs) so we put out a six percent export stout and my brewers put out this beautiful note about the historic colonization of that style of beer and the problematic nature of them brewing it uh, I didn't ask them to do that. I It just came to me in an email and said, will you please release this with the beer um, as a note from us saying that beer has a complicated history and we hope that, you know, us acknowledging that history and taking steps will light a way forward. Um, it was, I was very um, happy to put that out there. So um, yeah. I can, we would, yeah, we would love to have that. That'd be great. Um, but that's, that's, you know, this project isn't just about, you know, one brewery taking a stance. It's not about politics. It's not about any of that. It's how can we do better every day? How can we stand in a place where um, people of color have equal opportunity? And how can I be better as an owner? What else can I do in my average age of 60 white place that I live? Um, how can we do better? So. 
that's where we're at. I think you're on the path of creating better. Um, let's head on over to Tim. Sure. Thank you uh, for sending the email and inviting me along, uh, inviting St. Elmo and just here's the representative. I am um, one of the co-founders and I suppose my title is um, general manager of the company. Um, and, you know, I, I assume that a, a lot of what I will say will be similar to what other people say. I guess uh, I'll just go into detail on two particular notes. And one is a personal note about me. Um, I actually, same with Callie, I was involved in social justice before I got into beer. Um, I worked in New York City and New Jersey. That's where I'm from. Don't be jealous. Um, uh, in anti-human trafficking and uh, to assist victims of domestic violence. The predominant populations there uh, tended to be people of color in New York City. It tended to be Hispanic people. Um, and for me, I was relatively fresh out of college and my view at that point was somebody's got to change the world and I'm going to be the person that does that um, or one of the people that does that. So uh, to me, it came in terms of any particular action that I take, it has to have an impact, right? So this is kind of getting to the concept of allyship and the idea that everything that you do has to have an impact. And the overall idea is that it should be a positive impact. Um, fast forward a few years, getting a little bit burnt out on uh, helping people through traumatic situations. And I started home brewing with some friends in Brooklyn. And I end up getting a job at the Brooklyn Brewery, which, uh, of course, is probably known for having one of the best spokesperson people in beer, Mr. Garrett Oliver who also happens to be uh, a black man. So um, I felt very fortunate myself to have him as kind of a guiding light for starting out in the beer business. Uh, the, the guy is just a fountain of knowledge. Uh, you can't spend 10 seconds around him without learning something. So he was truly an inspiration. One of the people that probably has made me want to stay in beer for the rest of my life. Um, so bringing that to St. Elmo, again, the idea that any and everything that we're doing, uh, it has to have some sort of higher meaning or, or more meaningful purpose, uh, whether it's helping the community, which we really focus on, uh, or just even helping our employees, whether it's, you know, a beer that sells well, so they get tips better or so we can offer them health insurance or, or whatever it might be. Um, so that's a little bit of my personal story and why this particularly spoke to me. Uh, and then getting to kind of the St. Elmo focus, um, last year, uh, my partner, Brian Winslow, and I kind of undertook a statement of core values uh, for the company to try to better define what our reason for being was. Uh, give our employees a sense of purpose beyond just what their job is and really try to speak more to those those higher causes. Uh, and so we split it up into 
six different categories or six different uh, phrases or buzzwords, however you want to describe it. Basically, they just cut down into our core values. Um, and so the first one is cheers. And I think that going through this, you'll understand how Black is Beautiful, the project falls right in line with what we, how we want to exist in the world and how we want to share uh, our existence with other people. Um, so the first core value is cheers which is essentially what anybody could understand. It's the, the idea of conviviality. It's gemütlichkeit. It's, uh, you know, salute to your health, having fun and enjoying it through drinks. That's what we're all in this for. We're making beer and we're having fun. And if its goal is to serve something else, then even better, we're having fun and doing good at the same time. Uh, the next, uh, next core value is, and excuse my language, I don't think it'll be inappropriate, but it's give a shit. Uh, and the whole goal there is please care, right? So take what you're doing seriously. And, and when you're able to go above and beyond, go beyond what you think is required, do more. And I'll say like Marcus and Weather Souls, that's what your project is. And it's very inspiring for us to see so many people giving a shit and actually wanting to do this. So cheers to you. And I'm so pleased that everybody else has, has been involved. Uh, the next one is initiative. Uh, and that's basically saying that we all exist essentially because of each other, right? I wouldn't be doing this if, if Marcus didn't, didn't take the initiative. Uh, you know, I know you mentioned um, other half. We participated in the altogether beer as well. Wouldn't it happen without them taking the initiative in doing that? So we're all leaning on each other in some way, and we're all taking the step forward to actually do it. Uh, positive mental attitude is the next one. Again, speaking to how, especially in the midst of a pandemic and very overt uh, social injustice, it can be so easy to view this as a battle that we're not winning or that the chips are stacked against us. Um, but again, combining these ideas and recognizing that actually we are making a difference and we can do something no matter how overwhelming it seems the odds are against us, we can actually work together and do something. Can't do that without that positive mental attitude. Forgive me, by the way, if I sound like I'm a motivational speaker here. I don't mean to come <laughs> off that way. I'm just um, sharing a little bit of the inside of, of St. Elma here. Uh, the next one is open arms, and that's the idea that we're welcoming, welcoming to everybody, right? You, you mentioned the, the concept of, of craft beer having a diversity problem, and yes, it does. We know that, which is why two years ago the Brewers Association hired a, a diversity uh, experts, right? Uh, it's why they host diversity panel trainings at CBC. Uh, it, it's why they offer grants to small breweries that exemplify hiring diverse staff. Um, St. Elmo, we do a lot for the, the homosexual community in, um, in Austin and uh, Black is Beautiful, again, it just helps us to 
open our arms even wider or make sure that people understand that we're welcoming, welcoming any and everybody uh, to the brewery. And then the last one, of course, is respect. Uh, and that it should speak for itself. It's the idea that um, if we don't have respect for other people, other viewpoints, if we don't offer an ear to listen to what people actually have to say, uh, then we're not getting it. We're not understanding it. Um, and a lot of this speaking to just feeling of St. Elmo on site, we kind of toss this out as like, if a customer comes in and says like, my favorite beer is Bud Light, you know, you don't think to yourself like, oh man, you're not gonna like anything here or, or whatever, you know. You take that, you listen to it, and you offer them something in return or you offer them a suggestion. Well, the same can be said, of course, with social interaction in the broad scope, in the big scope. Um, we need to have respect for people who are telling us that something's wrong. And if we're not respecting that, then we're not behaving the way that we want to as a community. That's kind of the core values that really speaks, I think, a lot to why we got involved. I'm really excited for the recipe. We wrote it with um, one of our staff members who she actually diverted. We were originally going to be do, um, donating the funding to the Austin Justice Coalition. And uh, she actually recommended a different organization, which I really appreciated. And it's called Measure, uh, which actually, um, it's kind of, an analytical focus. Uh, so it takes the numbers that uh, Austin PD puts out in terms of how they're policing communities, how they're tracking cases, what their closure rate are on some crimes, and it really, really tries to dissect those and hold the police accountable, which um, I know other organizations are doing that, um, but this is actually, it's a woman of color who runs the organization so we're just really excited to be uh donating the proceeds there um that was man everybody has so much more to say than i thought and like i really love how this isn't just you i can tell everybody on here so far there's not just jumping on to say you're part of it it's like there's a lot of thought that's gone into this whole thing for everybody so with that um Thanks, Tim. And I would like to kick it over to Calissa, if I could, real quick, from Goldspot. Hey, I'm Calissa. Um, so I'm the head brewer and co-owner of Goldspot Brewing in Denver, Colorado. Um, I originally um, came from like a political organizing background before I got into craft beer. So we've always had a lot of um, social justice campaigns built into our brewery. Um, we have a constant donation beer that's ranged from a bunch of different issues. Um, as soon as I heard about this project, it really kind of hit a lot of boxes for us. We were obviously really horrified by, you know, recent occurrences. Um, but this not only was addressing that, you know, using this as positive change, but it was really bringing up the conversation of the lack of diversity in craft beer um, and how we really need to change that. Um, and that we really need to be having these difficult conversations on a daily basis. Um, and that's definitely, you know, as a as a gay female brewer, that's definitely a conversation that I've been part of. And we normally do a really big pride beer, um, but we didn't this year because there were more pressing issues. Um, so we really wanted to, you know, push our focus on to 
you know, the really horrible things that are happening um, and be an ally in that way. Because we wanted to see, you know, see the intersectionality of everything and really be part of actually making the community that we all want to see. Um, I think, you know, to Chris's point, I think a lot of brewers, they are very inclusive, but we haven't created an inclusive space um, for you to come in and feel actually comfortable um, to enjoy those craft beers and actually feel like it's a space that you're part of. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the brewers and owners are very um, progressive on social issues, but that doesn't necessarily correlate to you know, the space you've created inside the tap room. And I think that's something that we really need to work on. Um, I'm one of the teachers for, you know, the craft brewing program at Regis University in Denver. Um, and we've never had more than like three women, very few people of color, you know, it's, it's a constant issue. And, we're at you know year five of that program and we're seeing less engagement from women you know less engagement from people of color and i think that's a, that's a really big issue and we've seen women actually drop out of it because they don't feel like they're that, that there's a space for them and i think that's you know that's a really difficult thing because we're you know we're leaving money on the table as as owners to only you know have beer for certain different people and it's something that we can really do a better job on. So, you know, this initiative, which is really up our alley, and we're really happy to be part of it. But I love it. You guys have um, so much insight into all this, and I love hearing what is being done in our community worldwide, really. Well, and before John goes here, I'd just like to say I'm really loving this beer, too. This is um, this, is, this yeah. is the Black is Beautiful beer that Calissa brewed over at Gold Spot. So it's uh, Blackberry. She added blackberry to the stout and it's fantastic fantastic thank you so thank yeah you. so we only have our patio open so we wanted to do like a nice like summer stout um <clears throat> and use all local ingredients besides the blackberry so yeah and then half of it is aging in honey bourbon barrels which i can't oh. release but yeah yeah um that'll come out in september yeah and that'll be for you know we're doing aclu and so the poverty law center um but then we're going to do a new charity for for fall cool very cool all right. Well, let's bring it on over to John. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. It's really awesome to hear all your stories. Um, I was saying, especially Marcus, like to put a, a face to a name and just like to hear where this all started is super cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm John. I uh, started, I'm co-owner and uh, head brewer of Fogtown Brewing Company in Ellsworth. Ellsworth is like halfway between Bangor and Bar Harbor. In Maine, where we have a huge tourist industry. Most people are going to Bar Harbor. Some people are stopping. A uh, huge year-round community as well, but relatively fairly small town, fairly uh, <clears throat> rural town as well. Um, yeah, so we have always had a mission of giving back, of having uh, fundraisers, music, supporting art, supporting community. Um, we were the first brewery in our town and quickly became like a really obviously well needed community hub sort of a spot where people could come and have conversations that wasn't like the you know crummy biker bar down the road um, we were approached by a number of nonprofits throughout the last few years who wanted to do fundraising events they saw us as a community space where they could introduce themselves and their mission and set up fundraisers and really tell the community about what it was they they did so that's always been a, a huge part um, giving mostly to conservation groups, um, you know, uh, cancer research, uh, 
organizations locally. Basically, everything we were doing was uh, local. Um, when the protest uh, demonstrations came to Ellsworth, it was surprising for a number of reasons. Um, one, it was like opening our eyes to this problem that, of course, everybody knew existed in the world, especially, I mean, we've said brewers are, I think, especially, uh, you know, minded towards uh, you know, uh, social justice, but it, it's amazing how you can sort of ignore issues like issues of um, justice with people of color and black people being in a rural area of Maine where it just doesn't seem to come up very often. Um, and that was sort of a scary thing to realize that, oh, there are people demonstrating on our uh, Main Street, downtown Ellsworth, um, and also witnessing sort of how the city dealt with that and how the rest of the area dealt with that. You know, most people honking, giving thumbs up. A, a lot of people giving the finger to demonstrators, a lot of people uh, giving thumbs down. Um, the police department posting on their Facebook page, uh, you know, businesses beware, there's going to be a demonstration, move your stuff inside so it doesn't get broken, like expecting riots, where of course these protests were peaceful demonstrations. Um, and it was just sort of very eye-opening that in an area where it's particularly easy to ignore these issues, especially, you know, if, if you are in an industry that is mostly white and, you know, amongst a staff base that's mostly white, um, it, it's easy to, to ignore these things, um, unfortunately. So having seen this in our town and having sort of opened our eyes to, you know, this is a thing that is, ha has risen to the top of the, the list of things that are important to us right now. We need to act. We need to do something. So why the Black is Beautiful? In some ways, it was like the easiest thing. It was this whole package. You can do this. It, it, it's, it's an easy recipe. Um, it's created by a Black-owned brewery. It's something that you know, the community of color wants and is presenting rather than having to come up with something, you know, being a, a, a white man, I don't know what is best for you know, people of color. Um, so the hard thing, you know, after brewing that would be having the tougher conversations amongst employees and keeping those conversations going and interacting with our uh, retail accounts and sort of talking and having these conversations with them, uh, especially finding out that some of our retail accounts don't want to be involved for, you know, quote unquote, political reasons and stock these beer and, and having to make the decisions that we can't support those retail accounts. That's, uh, that's how we got into it. Um, I'm super proud of my staff as well. We started collecting tips for them during the COVID shutdown and they um, recently decided to pool all their tips together to pay for the, uh, the cost of goods sold to brew another batch of this so that we can donate all the proceeds again because we sold out of it uh, in about a week, which was awesome. Awesome. It's actually interesting to hear all the different perspectives and like, you know, how this has impacted everybody and how it makes you rethink. I mean, I'm obviously probably in a similar boat to you, John, as like, you know, 
I'm the white guy. I'm, I'm kind of the stereotypical uh, craft beer drinker. So it has opened my eyes a lot too. I mean, there's a lot for me to think about and unpackage and I'm learning every day more and more stuff. Um, before, before we take another step, I think Tim, were you getting ready to head out, man? I think uh, you had to, you had to cut out. Yeah, I need to, I need to head out. Okay, um, cool. Well, sending some messages there. Just want to, again, thank you for inviting me along and having me part of this. And um, yeah, I don't, it's, um, it's really a pleasure to be able to do this kind of work alongside with all of you who are on this call and all the other dedicated brewers out there. Um, and, uh, you know, Marcus, especially you uh, for taking leadership on this, it's really inspiring. Uh, and I can't thank you for your work enough. So thanks and be well. It's good to see you too, Debbie, by the way. Haven't seen you in a little while. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Tim. And, uh, and thanks for taking part in the initiative because I think, uh, I think it's got some great momentum and I think we're going to, I think we're going to make some big change. Cool. Together. <laughs> Cheers, Tim. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, Tim. So I think, like we were just talking about there a second ago, uh, like I was saying to John, like I'm that stereotypical white middle-aged guy who drinks craft beer, but um, you know, that's kind of, I think been a criticism of the craft beer industry a little bit, at least from those on the outside and maybe some from the inside as well is that it's not very diverse because most of the patrons probably look more like me than most other people. I'm probably the largest majority of what, the craft beer patron looks like so i think i want to toss it over to debbie unless you had something there before no, like well if, <laughs> if it's so like you were saying the craft beer industry is generally criticized for not being diverse like what are your thoughts and opinions on that do we see that as that being that or you guys are more in the industry than us being like journalism and just craft beer fans what do you guys see as that as being a statement and i know some of you have already kind of addressed that but to be more specific, I guess, like, what do you, what are you guys seeing in the industry? And Debbie, if you wanted to start off, us off, that's great. If you all have something to say, we'll totally listen. If just anybody wants to throw something out, let us know. Uh, yes, I appreciate the opportunity to address this question. I do feel that there has been definitely valid criticism on the industry not being very diverse. I remember probably maybe six years ago, uh, speaking to Michael um, Ferguson, who was director of brewery operations at the time of BJ's Brew House, and he would say, I'm the other black guy in the beer industry. The first one being Garrett Oliver, and this is like six years ago. And it's wonderful just to not only, not only to see you know, the people who are involved and and chanting on with the initiatives and the brewing and everything, but meeting so many, one of the things I love about doing social media for Jester King is getting to actually engage and meet with so many, virtually, uh, so many representatives of diverse backgrounds across the U.S. Um, you may notice I'm wearing, proudly wearing uh, my crowns and hop uh, brown people love beer t-shirt, and I'll speak to that in a second. But I would say that um, there are things that are creating change, but it's not enough. We can do better. I think it's important that we hold organiz organizations that represent the brewing community accountable. And when I say that, yes, the Brewers Association uh, finally hired a, a diversity ambassador a few years ago. 
But uh, we, you know, the first diversity subcommittee was formed in 2014 for the American Homebrewers Association. And it took several years for the BA to decide to do that and step up and create one as well. And I find as the, as a founding chair, I'm actually ashamed of the lack of forward progress that we did with that committee because we're a committee of volunteers. But the idea that it's not that you put together a strategic plan for diversity and then sit it on a shelf. You've got to have actionable items, milestones, a life cycle of what you're looking to do. And so holding organizations accountable in regards to uh, what, how they are representing the community of consumers and of brewers and bringing more people in. I will tell you, I spoke up at the Pink Boot Society conference uh, last year here in Austin when Julia Hurst was doing a presentation on, oh, here's all the great things the BA is doing. And I'm sitting there going, okay, that's awesome. But there's an awful lot of white women here. Where are the women of color? And at the time, I didn't realize right behind me were all of the gals from like Rio Grande Valley and Corpus Christi and, and you know, all of my, you know, probably someone who's a cousin from the valley because my, my heritage is Mexican-American. And they're just back there going, yes, thank you for calling out and saying, do better, do more. And I know, you know, I, I definitely know I want to talk about this now because I know Marcus, man, he, he's got things I'm sure he could contribute to this as well. But hold these organizations accountable and challenge them. Uh, when it's the Brewers Association, when it's Pink Food, you know, um, we had our governing committee meeting recently, our annual governing committee meeting, American Hubbard Association. And I, I said, what is the intent of this organization? Is our, if you say you're modernizing the BA and the AHA by um, laying off all of these staff and you're hiring a powerful lobbyist, what is the intent of this organization? How are you going to represent your community and bring benefit to them? And when you say we're here for the independent brewer, are you actually representing everyone? Uh, I would say as far as how these initiatives are creating change, I think it's incredible. This initiative is not about me. It is about people who have been systematically prejudiced against, who, prejudiced against and have had their lives disrupted on a daily basis in a way I can't possibly imagine. But it has helped me with personal growth because I have long de denied my own cultural identity as a Mexican American because when I was young, the white side of the family was prejudiced towards that. And then growing up and being an adult going, why do I have all of these black, uh, you know, I, I actually have Mexican American, African American cousins. Um, and because of whether it's marriage and such, and to the point of not embracing my own family because I was made to feel ashamed by the household that I was raised in, right? And so I, you know, I personally thank Marcus last, last weekend because it's like, as I said, this isn't about me, but this is what happens when you start to, to create an initiative to help others and then what happens is a rising tide carries all boats and that will, it will lift us up. And it's something that um, Shannon uh, Brubuck brother said today, and that is about unity. Uh, I thought that was really powerful what he had to say in regards to um, the black project. I think it's the black beer project and talking about the unity that's brought from this. And when it comes down to it, hey guys, we collaborate over brewing beer 
why not collaborate in regards to those things that we hold dear to us? Because as both Chris, I think Chris alluded to earlier, craft beer is meant to be inclusive, not exclusive. If we want to have a diverse portfolio of beers available to us, and we want our palate to remain, or we all have diverse palates, why the heck wouldn't we do that in regards to assemblage of the brewers and the and the consumers, and we're doing everything to help them, empower them in their daily lives when they're dealing with their business or with what they're what they need to feel safe to move about within our communities. Does anyone have anything to add <laughs> on to that or what Debbie was saying? I mean, I'd like to. I actually want to jump on that just a little bit because, I mean. I don't even have the Mexican American heritage in my in my background. I'm like white as snow. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would I would like to kind of jump on that and say the same thing is that I appreciate people like Marcus and and everybody who's really pushed this word out there because I mean yeah it's not about me either, but it, I'm fortunate to have grown a lot. Just I feel like in the last couple of months I've learned so much more about everybody else around me in this country and a lot about myself and some of the things that uh, I didn't see before all this happened. I, I didn't see a lot of these things, you know, because I was living my everyday life and my everyday life was fine. So I didn't need to look at the problems that are around me. So even though I have lots of friends in, in different areas, you know, it's easy to walk past that and not see that and just be blind to it. And now I feel like, at least my eyes are halfway open. So, I mean, it's hard enough as brewers and, and brewery owners and such to, to just run your business on an everyday level. I mean, it's a pretty stressful thing to do, but before we go, I, we just kind of wanted to give everybody a chance to chime in whoever wants to, uh, what do you guys do on a day-to-day basis to try and take a step back and go decompress and like recharge for the next day? Because you all have a lot going on running your businesses and you're all very active in this and a lot of other things. So we, we still need to find somehow to find like a piece of joy within life. And yeah. so we are just like curious is like, how do you do that? Because yeah. Marcus. So for me, mine is uh, coming home to my children. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. My uh, three-year-old is very eccentric. Um, she like got promoted to preschool six months early. You know, she's three going on fifteen, and <laughs> one old is like following right behind her. Uh, so for me, generally, my relaxation point uh, point of relieving stress is coming home and spending time with them. Uh, also, cooking uh, that's something that I've been doing the last few years getting into uh, cooking and for the pandemic uh, I've been working on coming up with the perfect old fashions so uh, I'm a huge fan of old fashions I've been into whiskey and bourbon rice recently Uh, so every few days or so and I've bought a couple books and I have an extensive collection so I've been trying to work on the perfect old fashioned lately 
So maybe there's a, a Weathered Souls expansion in the future here into distilling or something? <laughs> uh, maybe not Weathered Souls, but I might open a bar one day. <laughs> so Debbie, what were you holding yeah. up there? Debbie was holding up something to the screen. Fancy bottle of something. Oh, yeah. Oh. She knows I love. She knows I love. Will it? Okay. Yeah. That's so, a nice whiskey. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know that's typically what I do for my life stress release. Cool. Anybody else want to chime in on that one? Chris is jumping in. Sure. Um, so I think, uh, I guess, to, to speak first on um, being exhausted, um, it's not, obviously, yeah, running a business is very hard. Uh, running a brewery is very hard. COVID has been very hard. Um, it's been very, very stressful uh, with what's going on right now. But, um you know, and, and difficult with like being having to like lay off some staff members and, you know, trying to keep the business afloat. Um, I think with what is going on in, in the sort of social world as well has been exhausting. I think as a black man, it's been really exhausting too, as a black person, because it's not to say that, you know, I'm not excited about the conversations that are happening and the awareness that I see a bunch of white people around me finally see for the first time in their lives. But it is starting to get exhausting to honestly, to be the person that they come to, to talk about it too. Like I'm at a point where I'm almost like, it's not, it's not my responsibility to kind of show you the ropes, to kind of go over this with you, to kind of teach you about how you're supposed to behave and like pat you on the back and tell you it's okay that you didn't see this happening your whole like forgive you or like, and it sort of has started to feel like I'm getting a lot of that. And it's, that's been tough as well. So there's been a lot of me trying to find somewhat of a balance because obviously we're using the business as a vehicle to talk about these too, but I'm trying to find a balance to sort of step away from it a little bit to like have some sort of degree of separation. Um, and it's been difficult to find because for a while their beer was my degree of separation. Um, and, and it, it kind of isn't anymore. Um, it's kind of become, it, it feels like it's, I'm using it as a vehicle now, less as a thing that I'm just passionate about. Um, and so that's been tough. Uh, I think like Marcus, I've definitely been cooking a lot recently. Um, my curry game has gotten pretty good. <laughs> and um, uh, that and I smoked some ribs this weekend. And um, so I've I love doing that. Um, I love cocktails as well. So I, I make a bunch of cocktails. I make a bunch of syrups. I make uh, stuff like that. Um, I'm drinking wine as well as beer right now because drinking is what's decompressing me right now. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, similarly, uh, I like coming home to my family. Um, uh, my girlfriend and I just hit our sixth anniversary, I think this yesterday i think hope congratulations uh thank you and um we have an 11 year old and he's uh, awesome um Excellent. so i just right before this i was outside playing a nerf war a nerf war with him shooting <laughs> bullets and um before it started raining so that's that's fun i'm also a huge nerd so in addition to also usually what i decompress is sports but i don't have sports to watch right now so i'm dying <laughs> but um I'm a huge nerd, so like me and a bunch of the guys, because we have like time off at the brewery, we've been playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so I'm DMing Dungeons and Dragons sessions. Right now. <laughs> Pretty cool. So a couple times a week, I'm I'm DMing sessions. I'm doing that in a Star Trek 
tabletop game. So that's what I'm doing to kind of get away from everything. Okay, conf- uh, I have a confession since Chris just uh-huh. said that. The reason why I said I wasn't sure I could be the whole time is I just joined a, a party and uh, we have a, a session here at, at 730. Nice. Um, uh, it's it's not actually the standard D and D. It's uh, I think it's the RDC RPG DCC. Okay, cool. So I just started it, and the fun, the awesome thing about it is our DM mm-hmm. is a is a local filmmaker, and he's incredible. And so you can imagine what a filmmaker is your DM. The oh yeah. <laughs> but I I decided uh, maybe that would be better to do on Thursday night instead of my virtual drinking with my homebrew club. <laughs> <laughs> So little did you all know out there that not only are we craft beer geeks, we're all we're all nerds too. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> um, well, before we before we kind of wrap this whole thing up, I know we're trying to hold it, trying to keep you on time here. We, but uh, before we wrap it up, I just want to open the floor. Uh, did anybody have any final words that we didn't cover? Anything anybody wanted to say? Just thank you for having me and and let me uh, listen to you guys talk and learn some things yeah i just want to thank my man marcus here man i just want to like i appreciate you brother thank you yeah man it's uh good officially uh talking to you meeting you we like telling the stories and like behind um someone said it recently like the stories begin long before you pull the tap handles and so that's like what we like with the platform of this is just telling everybody's stories and how it really has an impact and i'll say it again and again and again beer is so much more than just the beer so thank you marcus for starting this and thank you everyone for joining this conversation and keeping it going um much much appreciated well thanks for having me thank you guys well and before we wrap it up i just want to say cheers cheers to everyone cheers marcus for for spearheading this and cheers to everyone involved yeah cheers cheers here's to black is beautiful black is beautiful beautiful, baby go get some There's hazelnut, hazelnut, cacao nibs, and I think this, this is the Austin Beer Works version I just picked up today. Okay. Uh, okay. Excellent. Yeah, we're drinking Callie's, ver- or Calissa's version, sorry, with blackberry in it. And then we also picked this one up just today. It's the new image from here, also here in the Arvada. Denver area in Arvada. But um, it doesn't say on it, so I don't know exactly what they did to it. <laughs> <laughs> We, we put ours in a 12-ounce can. Oh, nice. Nice. Pretty hefty. What did you guys do with yours, John? Uh, we put a ton of brown sugar into it. Ooh, um, nice. And took a bunch out and cooked it down, reduced it, gave it a little bit of a burnt burnt sugar taste to it. That's called it. Poured it back in the kettle. Marcus, what did you guys do with yours? I, I know it like sold out like in a heartbeat. And- um, so yeah, that caused us a little bit of stress because um, we ended up overselling over fifty percent of our inventory. Oof. So the system basically crashed in the first sixty seconds of the sale. Oh no! Uh, but that was a big headache. But we did three variations off the gate. We did the base version, like true to style to the recipe. Um, then we did uh, one with Rwandan coffee um, and hazelnut. Uh, hazelnut's uh, original African ingredient um, origin, so we went ahead and did that. Um, and then we did one with our homies at Isla Street, which they're a Mexican brewery here in San Antonio. 
And so um, a local friend of ours did like uh, sugar cookies that looked like the uh, puzzle pieces from the label. And then we did caramel and pecans. Ooh, um, man. I did another 35 barrels of Black is Beautiful since the original issue happened. And that one has some more on the, what we're known for, more on the like pastry spectrum. Uh, so we made a little adjustments to the recipe, but that one is with uh, marshmallows, uh, vanilla, and Dominican cacao nibs. Wow, over the top. Yeah. What do you guys? What do you guys do, Chris, with yours down at Green Bench? We actually kept ours pretty simple. We we kind of stuck with the main recipe. We changed it up a little bit. Um, we we actually went pretty heavy on the dark chocolate, but um, we dropped it a little bit. So ours is like really caramely. Um, so I, I like replace some chocolate with some caramel because we, we have like a few stouts that are like really, really chocolate heavy. Right. And so I was like, well, let's do something that's like maybe a little bit more like caramel rather than chocolate. Um, so we, but we kept it base. We didn't, we didn't add any like adjuncts or anything like that. We're just like, let's just keep it straightforward. And then, um, yeah, just try to make it a little more caramel than, than chocolate. Cool. Excellent. Well, it. thank you guys for the bonus time. <laughs> But uh, uh, with that, yeah. if, thank there, you again. if you guys don't have anything else, we'll let you guys go. And I just want to say thank you all. And Debbie, especially, thank you for, for helping coordinate with some of the people on the, that we got on here, especially Chris and Marcus. It was wonderful to have everybody on. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Cheers. guys. Cheers, Cheers, everyone. Look to see you in the future for real. Yeah, for real. Really? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. There's a lot of good conversation coming from that. Yeah, there was. I mean, we really covered what Black is Beautiful is, what that beer, what the Black is Beautiful beer initiative is. But we really, I mean, just barely scratched the surface on social justice and inequality. That I mean, that is obviously, that's a much bigger conversation than even the Black is Beautiful beer initiative. That's one small spark to, to keep this conversation rolling. And that's what's important, is we all need to commit to keep the conversation going on this just to to keep make that change that we, that any of us want to see we have to keep it going we can't let this moment just be a moment yeah. it has to be a movement a commitment to just do better in our everyday lives and that's where change comes from a commitment to do better cheers to that i will cheers to that where's your glass lady i don't know that's my glass no it's not your glass is over there Shit. how do you lose track of your beer like that cheers. my gosh Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Cheers, folks. We always have to ask you guys to subscribe. Um, if nobody's subscribed yet, please subscribe. Um, we can't keep the conversation going unless you subscribe. <laughs> and you can keep the conversation going by leaving us a rating or a review, too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.